There's something new on Airs LA every day. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshita, and I'm the Chief of Optometric Services at the Center for the Partially Sighted in Los Angeles, California, and the Consulting Director of Low Vision Education at the Braille Institute of America. Each Sunday, we're going to bring to you tips and information to help you to cope while living with low vision. How I overcame my depression when I was diagnosed with low vision. One of the most difficult things that one has to encounter is how to get over the sadness, the anger, the depression, and the other types of emotional thoughts that one may have after they have been diagnosed with vision impairment. I know that for myself. I really just couldn't believe it. In some ways, perhaps it was a bit harder because I knew what my diagnosis meant. But in other ways, it may have been a bit easier for me also because of the fact that I have seen many people, many of my patients who had low vision, who were able to overcome their vision impairment and go on with their life. But despite all of my past experience and being a doctor and having that knowledge, it was equally difficult for me. I was so angry. I was so angry that I didn't know how to react to people. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to see people in the town. I didn't want to go to restaurants. It got so bad I didn't even want to talk to people on the phone. I changed our phone number. I told people that we were going to be leaving town for a few months just because I didn't want to have to explain this to people again. I didn't want people to know that there was something wrong with me. I liked it when people thought of me as being Dr. Bill. I didn't like people thinking of me as, oh, blind Dr. Bill. So it really took over a major, major component of my life. As I said before, I was so angry. Anything that would happen, I would get angry at my wife. She might ask me, hey, would you like to have some bacon and eggs for breakfast? And I said, no, I wanted to go out to eat today. Or she might then say, shall we go out to lunch today? And I'd say, no, I don't want to go out in front of everybody. Gosh, and I would be mad no matter what it is that she ever said to try to help me. I would release my anger at her. But soon, it got to the point where I realized that I was not only affecting my own life. I knew that my behavior was affecting my life. I knew that I was choosing to isolate myself and hide from the world. But I later realized it was affecting my family. Even though I would yell at my wife, get angry at her for everything, she never yelled back, she never said anything, she never threatened to leave me. But it was one Sunday morning that my daughter, she came into my bedroom and she said, Hey Dad, Dad, hurry up and get up because today Mom said we're going to go to the Long Beach Aquarium. I love that place. And I just very quickly said, Oh, that's great, that's great. It's a great day to go to the aquarium, but Dad's got a headache today, and so I'm going to give you some money, and can you go and buy a nice souvenir and bring it back and show me? And that was my way of just trying to not let her know how I was feeling. I wanted her out of the house, and I wanted to be by myself. And so she takes the money, and she just slowly walked out of the room. And then a couple minutes later, my son, her younger brother, comes in. And he must have been about nine, eight or nine then. And he says, Dad, Dad, Jamie's crying. I'm like, why? What did you do to her? He said, I didn't do anything to her. She's crying because you're not going to come with us again. She says that you never come any place with us anymore. You never like to be with us. And it's not that fun to go any place if you're not there. 
And so he told me, Dad, this isn't only affecting you. It affects all of us too. We know what you're going through, and we're sad for you too. But we're all still trying to make you feel better. I think that you should come and try to help us so that we could feel better too. And I sat there, and I couldn't believe it that a little boy who is eight or nine years old would be able to think of things at this level. But I realized he was right. I was wasting my life away, sitting there, thinking of ways that I could be angry, thinking of ways to feel sorry for myself, and I was missing out on all of these experiences, time that I could have been out going out with my kids and making them happy. And so I realized at that point that I need to change my way of thinking. Each day has something good to offer. There's something that I could learn to do each day, whether it was to learn Braille or learn to use my cane to walk or if I was going to learn to play a musical instrument or learn to do anything else. I could do that each day. So from that day forth, I said that I'm going to make a commitment and each day I'm going to think of things that I'm going to learn to do that day and at the end of the day, I'm going to think of things that I'm grateful for for that day. And as I did this, it really changed my mind. It really changed my attitude of how I thought about each day. And it really helped me in the first phases of moving forward. So you too, if you're feeling down, you don't want to talk to people, you find that your personality has changed, you have to try to realize that there are many things that you too can do. You could see your friends, talk to friends and family. You could help others who are visually impaired. You could be that role model. You could enjoy life. Go out to lunch, have coffee with friends. You'll find that it's very, very enjoyable, and people will be so happy to have you back in their lives. For Airs LA, this is Dr. Bill Takeshita. This podcast is intended solely for the use of the blind and the print-impaired audience. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. Mm-hmm.